The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studios in Las Vegas, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Kim Campbell was married to the legendary Grammy-winning, Oscar-nominated Glenn Campbell for 34 years. Kim's book, Gentle on My Mind, In Sickness and in Health with Glenn Campbell, tells the story of their relationship through the good times and the bad, Glenn's problems with drugs and alcohol, and his final months dealing with Alzheimer's disease before his passing in 2017. Kim joins me now to talk about life with Glenn. Kim, welcome. Hi, Jim. Hi, Kim. How are you? How are you and your family doing during these uh, pandemic times? Uh, We're doing okay, thank you. Making the most of it. Oh, good. Writing this book, which is pretty amazing, I'm about halfway through it, about yours and Glenn's life together, as painful as some of those years were, did you feel like you really had to kind of create this keepsake for you and your family? Yes, as Glenn was losing his memories, I wanted to make sure that I didn't lose mine because we had some beautiful memories together. We went through a lot together, and I hope that, you know, the challenges we faced with alcoholism, drug addiction, and then with a disease like Alzheimer's, I hope it encourages others who may be going through similar things. Our faith was a big part of our journey together, and I hope that inspires people as well, the faith, family, friends, you know, to to overcome your challenges. But Um, I wanted my children to know about our life together, and I wanted the world to see the Glenn Campbell that I saw, the man who grew up in extreme abject poverty and um, had this incredible talent and this incredible career and became the best husband and father I could ever hope for. He He was a great man. What do you recall about first meeting Glenn, and where was it? Where were the two of you? Um, I was a 22-year-old dancer at Radio City Music Hall, and my best friend um, from college had just started dating Glenn's banjo player. And they picked us up on a blind date to go see James Taylor. So um, I met him in New York, and we went to the Waldorf Astoria where he was staying, and we were waiting in the living room, and he burst in with a guitar singing like a rhinestone cowboy. (laughs) And I thought, oh my goodness, this man is so good-looking. Um, he, he had a big smile on his face, big personality, so much charisma. It was pretty much love at first sight. But as the evening went on, I realized I had a tiger by the tail. So in other words, you knew that he had problems at that point? Yes. He he um, got very drunk the first night. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to think, but I went home that night just kind of thinking, well... I'll probably never see him again, but he called me and asked for a second chance, and we started dating. And then I called my dad. I said, Dad, I've met this guy. He's 22 years older than me. He's been married three times. He has five children. One is Uh older than me, and one is a baby. Do you think that's okay? Uh I said, it's Glenn Campbell. He said, Glenn Campbell, the entertainer? And I said, yes. And he said, he went quiet for a minutes and then he said it's fine that's the number yeah thanks a lot dad i can tell you this that i i'm the son of an alcoholic and so i know that you kind of start to feel that he's choosing the bottle over me did you have that feeling yes i did 
That was very hurtful. It was very hurtful. Um, later on, I realized that, you know, alcoholism is a disease and that he was really powerless against this disease. Um, the denial is so strong. And that's why I, I started tape recording him and I took photographs of him when he'd be passed out. I, I would cut off his head because I didn't want anyone to, to, you know, when I developed the pictures back then, um, I didn't want anybody to see who it was, but I tried to make him face, you know, who who he was and how he acted when he was intoxicated because he would wake up the next morning and not remember a thing. Yeah. He showed up the pictures and he said, well, who is that? I said, it's you. He said, that's not me. I I said, well, whoever it is, he's wearing your clothes. He denial. <laughs> I, I know from looking at the book, uh, one of the times you considered leaving him was when he brought Mick Fleetwood home with him after a night of partying. So what was that experience like? Because I'm sure, it was, again, I'm sure he didn't remember it the next morning. Yeah. Um, Mick was in town recording and invited Glenn to, to hang out at the studio with him. And of course, Glenn didn't come home that night. So the next morning, they pull up in a big stretch limo, and I had been sweeping up a mess in the kitchen, so I walked out to the garage to meet them, and Mick got out of the car, and their pupils were as big as saucers, you know, so I can tell they were, they had been doing drugs, but um, Mick Fleetwood is like six foot eight or something. He's yeah. so ridiculously tall and I'm five foot four, but Mick got out of that car and he saw me with that broom and he ducked like I was going to swing it at him, you know, and knock him <laughs> out. <laughs> it was pretty funny, but, um, I invited them in, I fixed him a big breakfast and we had a lovely time. But when Mick left, I laid down the law to Glenn. I said, I'm not raising a baby, a baby with someone who does drugs. And I threatened to leave him and, Glenn, you know, he got really emotional and he, he actually started crying. He said, I mess up one time and you're going to leave me. Just don't do drugs. And I'm, I don't want to leave you. Don't do drugs. But I had to give him an ultimatum on that. But the alcohol took a lot longer to overcome. Yeah. And I know that he was open about everything once he did get a handle on that, telling audiences about how he had been sober. And then after the Alzheimer's diagnosis, letting a documentary crew film him. I mean, it's one of the most that was one of the most touching things I've ever seen. You two together and the family performing together. Yeah, it, it was an incredible time for our family be able to rally around him and celebrate his life with him while he was still able to appreciate it and enjoy it and embrace it. And it was a beautiful time. I'm so thankful that we had the documentary. I think he helped so many people because he helped remove the stigma of that diagnosis. He opened up a national conversation about the disease. And, you know, we went to Washington and lobbied for more funds for research. So he moved the country forward in terms of finding a cure um, he had that beautiful song, um, I'm Not Gonna Miss You, that was released and nominated for an Oscar. Um, I'm just so proud of him for for being open and transparent and so giving of himself. It's interesting, Kim, because we all know that Glenn was an impressive guitar player and a valued member of the studio musicians known as the Wrecking Crew. And even in the documentary, his guitar just seemed to flow miraculously from him. He just he always had that, didn't he? He did. That was the last thing to leave. Um, he, he would walk on stage and he would need a teleprompter for the lyrics because 
um, language and your ability to read comes from a different part of the brain. But music kind of activates all the different regions of the brain. And to play guitar, that just flowed out of him. It's almost spiritual. It, it was a miracle. And he kept his ability to play the guitar long after he lost language. And eventually he lose the ability to play guitar, but other people would come. You know, we lived in Nashville, and other musicians would come to visit him, and they would play for him, and he would play air guitar with him. And it was really adorable. Well, and by the way, before I let you go, there, were, there was a moment that I, I know that he, uh, Glenn and Alice Cooper were golfing buddies. And there was a point where Cooper once said to Glenn that because he was such a great player, Eddie Van Halen once asked Alice if he could get a guitar lesson from Glenn. I thought that was amazing. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we all went to church together and they golfed, you know, Weekly. Kim Campbell's book is uh, is really great. It's gentle on my mind, available everywhere, including Amazon.com. Kim, thanks so much for the interview, and I, I hope you have nothing but good health and good luck with the book. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. In the 60s, Glenn was such an accomplished studio musician and actually hit the road with the Beach Boys when Brian Wilson took a break from touring to write, you know, that little thing called Pet Sounds. Glenn's variety Variety show was great, and I'll never forget his appearances on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson because more often than not, he'd be sitting next to Don Rickles on the couch, and that was always hysterical. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. Is still on the line